Hey guys, and welcome back into the Duke Wisdom Podcast. First podcast coming after a loss. Not not a happy moment for a lot of listeners, probably. But uh, you know, if you've been listening, you know that I was not able to tune in live for the entirety of the Arizona game. Uh, I did have some tweets in the drafts. I had some edits already made for the Jeremy Roach breaking 1K. I was following the box a little bit, and I was like, man, how long is it going to take, dude, to get six points? <laughs> Took him into the second half. He gets it. He ends up scoring 17. He ends up being one of the biggest bright spots for Duke in that game. But I was able to watch the last, like, I don't know, five minutes of the game. You know, I was able to see them reclaim the lead with about a minute to go and then, of course, lose it again. And ultimately fall at the at the end of the game. I wasn't able to watch the first half or uh, most of the second half even live. Um, however, I've caught up with all that. Uh, you know, I'm prepared to, to talk the Arizona loss and I'm prepared to talk the Michigan State game for Tuesday. So for let, let's I'm, I'm going to start off by getting a couple, you know, other things out of the way real quick before I dive in deep with those games. One is that the Boozers made their visit uh, over the weekend. Duke has shifted its attention to the class of 2025 when it comes to recruiting. Obviously, VJ Edgecombe is still very much um, uncommitted. He is still very much on the table. Duke is very much still a player in his recruitment. Other than him, all of the commits are signed, and there's not a whole lot else to look at for 2024. It's, we're waiting for Edgecombe to make that commitment. And then Dylan Harper is a long-term kind of project there if Duke is still involved. Tension is turning to 2025, and when it comes to the class of 2025, the Boozer twins are obviously the priority. It is so unfortunate for Duke, however, that the Boozer twins have been to two games now uh, on visits and have watched Duke get absolutely just destroyed by Miami last season and have now watched them lose just their second uh, home non-conference game since the year 2000. And that's, that's, that's pretty tough, honestly. Not a good look for the brand, but good thing is they can look up in the rafters and their dad has a pretty cool testament to winning in a national championship banner. So hopefully it's not uh, too big of a judgment from those two games. But anyway, with that out of the way, the other thing is rankings. AP poll dropped uh, as I'm recording this today. Duke drops from second to ninth. Arizona goes up from, from I think they were 12 to 30. In my own student media poll, I had Arizona go up from nine to four. I had Duke drop from two to six. Here's, here's what I want to talk about. I urge any AP voter, any voter for any ranking system, do not overreact to games, especially games between top 10 opponents. And it's a close game that could have been won by either team. When it's a close game between two top 10 teams, if you think Arizona is now the number three team in the country and they barely beat Duke in a game that Duke played poorly in, I don't really think that constitutes knocking Duke down seven spots, to be totally honest with you. Likewise, you know, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about James Madison later. James Madison's ranked now. They're 24th. I get it. They beat the team that was the number four preseason team. I think there are other teams that maybe we should have ranked before James Madison. Personally speaking, I was fine with ranking James Madison until James Madison beat Kent State 113 
to 108. You're like, wow, 113. Yeah, James Madison has been an offensive unit to start the season through three games. Absolutely. But allowing 108 points to Kent State is crazy. I'm going to need to see a little bit bigger of a sample size for the Dukes before I can, I can rank them. Don't overreact to games this early in the season, especially when they're top 10 matchups. I mean, somebody had to lose the game. You know, somebody had to. Ultimately, though, ultimately, though, rankings don't matter. I'm just involved in it because I submit a ballot somewhere. Ultimately, don't read into rankings at all in November, though. So with that said, let's dive into the Arizona game. Want to join a community of Duke accounts publishing news, theories, and predictions on Duke athletics? Join the Duke Wisdom Network. Just go to dukewisdom.org slash join network today and fill out the form with your name and social media. Or you can DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Become a part of the community of Duke fans publishing their takes today. Again, that's dukewisdom.org slash join network or DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. What were the problems? Rebounding. Rebounding, 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 rebounding. Duke lost the rebounding battle like 29 to 15 in the first half. It's pretty eye-opening. I think they lost it 45 to 33 overall in the game, meaning they won the rebound battle by two in the second half, which is good. But when you get out-rebounded by 14 in the first, you know, and that was one of my concerns heading into it. How is Duke going to handle the size of Arizona? It was no one guy that beat them offensively. Let that be said, everybody in the starting lineup for Arizona, you know, 14, 13, 12, 12, 11 points. A very, very uh, even scoring distribution for Arizona. They weren't beat by one person. They weren't necessarily just beat in the post um, by, by Balo or anything like that. But rebounding was a big issue, and it was a predictable issue when you have such an even rebounding game with Dartmouth. I mean, you play a physical big team like Arizona. It's not looking great. It isn't looking great. And I think a lot of that boils down to what, what does Duke do with these three guard or even four guard lineups? What is Duke doing when Kyle Filipowski's not on the floor? Because when Kyle Filipowski's not on the floor, I think, I think uh, Russ at Duke better had this it, it, out some stats that Duke is just so phenomenally worse with Filipowski off the court than when he's on so far this season. The defensive rating is staggering. The rebounding percentages, the block percentages. Kyle Filipowski, when he's on the floor, Duke is a top 10 team. When he's not on the floor, Duke is not very good so far this season. And that's that's kind of where I want to go with this. Is so far you can kind of tell. Kyle Filipowski's here, man. He's here. He's the National Player of the Year contender. Absolutely. 25 points in each of the first two games. He's here. He shot 50% from the floor, 60% from three. He's ready. Jeremy Roach had a slower start to the game, but offensively, he really picked up. He made that three to take the lead toward the end of the game. 17 points. He's now averaging 15.5 points per game. Preseason, I always said I thought he'd be the second leading scorer on the team. A lot of people disagreed with me. I said he'd be the second best player on the team. So far, I'm looking pretty right about that. Uh, we are two games into the season. You know, a whole lot of things can change. But early season, the two guys that are there, that they're where we want them to be, are Kyle and Jeremy. Tyrese Proctor is not where we want him to be right now. He's, you know, eight points 
per game. He shot 33% from the floor, one of six from three against Arizona. Solid assist numbers. I mean, he's averaging six and a half assists through two games. That's solid. You know, my quarrel is that he wasn't shooting enough against Dartmouth, you know, and then sometimes it's just like it seems in big games he doesn't shoot well enough, but inconsistent with that shot still. And, you know, in what's supposed to be the season that he's going to end up shooting considerably better, I got to think that it'll improve, no doubt. But I don't think Tyrese is where people want him to be yet. A lot of people are like, yeah, this is a potential top five, top seven pick in the draft. He's vastly improved. He is improved. That much is clear. He's got a lot more poise to him, a lot more confidence to him. But he's not where the people who have him tabbed is a a top pick. He's not there. That's not where Tyrese Proctor is yet. Um, He's still a work in progress. He's still very much a work in progress. As it are a lot of players on this team, as are the ro- as is the rotation, you know, as is the rotation. Sean Stewart barely plays, but in the minutes he plays, he looks pretty good. And I think John Shire said that he learned a lot from that. Might want to go a little deeper because for the most part, Duke really goes only went seven deep. You know, Jalen Blake's only plays two minutes despite having a really good debut against Dartmouth. Christian Reese plays just two minutes. Sean Stewart four minutes. It's really just a seven man rotation. And for the most part, some of the guys in the lineup barely came out of the game. Proctor comes out for two minutes, Roach for one minute. You know, that's not a lot of minutes to go around, especially in the backcourt when you're playing those two guards as much as you did. You know, it's going to be more difficult for minute distribution on the bench. So John Shire's figuring things out. A lot of these players are figuring things out. They got killed on the rebounding battle. Uh, They shot okay from three, okay from the floor, okay, you know, pretty decent from the line. Um, defensively struggling to guard Arizona in the ways that we were worried about, you know, dribble drives, dealing with that physicality, that kind of thing, but mostly just giving up second chance points when Arizona has 10 second chance points at the half to Duke zero. That's obviously an issue. You know, that's obviously a, something that's going to be a concern. And I think that if you're Duke, the main takeaway here is, yeah, it sucks to lose for just the, the like the third time non-conference home game in the 21st century. That's that's tough. That's rough. And it was a close game and a game that you should have won. And you hate losing that. You hate losing in front of Coach K. But I think the end of the day, Duke didn't play well. There were a lot of times where Duke's offense was sort of stagnant. It didn't look great. Duke didn't look great in a lot of ways. And yet they were still right there in it. Led the game with a minute to go. Easily could have won this game. Easily could have stole this game from Arizona. Because it was Arizona's game to lose for the entire game. Arizona had control of this game. Arizona played the better game. I don't think Arizona's the better team. I think maybe in that moment they were. In November, they were. Yeah, I think Arizona is a lot closer to what Arizona is going to be in March than Duke is. Duke's not even close to what they're going to be in March. I don't think Duke's looked particularly great. I haven't been especially impressed by this Duke team so far. And they're still pretty darn good, to be honest. They're still not bad at all. And I think that's what should be really encouraging to Duke fans. They're not playing even anywhere close to their best basketball, not even remotely close. And they're still not bad at all. Like they're still pretty solid. And I think that's 
you know, what I'm, I'm taking away from this. And, you know, I talked about how stagnant the offense could be at some time. Sometimes they're just, the flow of the offense wasn't, wasn't great. And they, they can, you know, look to help try to fix that a little bit. You know, ideally three pointers fall at a much better clip than they did, especially than they did in the first half. First half was very poor shooting wise. Ideally, you get a lot more threes to fall than that. Ideally, you get a few more clutch shots than that. Ideally, Ryan Young's not in the game there at the end. Uh, kind of he and Kyle clogging up the paint, messing up driving lanes, that kind of thing ends up forcing Tyrese Proctor into a, a travel that ultimately really cost Duke the game. And also, probably not the greatest decision to... Um, Try to have Ryan Young throw a full court pass. I would have bailed on that game plan there in the last play. But I think that's aside the point. Arizona probably was going to keep making free throws if you diverged from that. And it seemed like Arizona was going to win that game pretty much regardless there toward the end. Free throws were falling. Um, I know Duke fans are probably pretty mad that Caleb Love ends his career three and one. But silver lining for you Blue Devils is that uh he <laughs> he scored less every time he walked into Cameron. I think he had 28 or something like that in his freshman year, 22 as a sophomore, 12 last season and 11 this season. So he scored less points every time he walked into Cameron. So I suppose that's a slight moral victory if you're Duke, but it doesn't really mean anything because ultimately he's three and one. Arizona came out with the win and you hate to see it. And you hate to see it, especially because it was a winnable game that did Duke deserve to win the game. No, but they could have. You know, that's I think that's the biggest point is like they didn't really deserve to win it, but they could have. And I think that Duke had a very similar game against Kansas last season where I didn't feel Duke played a good game. I didn't feel they deserved to win the game, but they really could have won the game and it would have been huge. It would have been a huge momentum builder. It would have been a huge game for seeding. Duke takes that game off Arizona. They're feeling a whole lot better about their chances in having a one seed. I don't know what Duke's chances are at having one seat. There aren't a lot of quality wins available in the ACC. Duke's basically got to beat Michigan State, Arkansas, and Baylor and do really well in conference to get a one seed. Uh, that Arizona game was very important. It is perhaps the best team Duke plays all season. Uh, I believe that's true. And so it's tough to lose the game, but there's a lot to be learned from this um, and got to move on because when this podcast episode drops tonight, Duke's playing Michigan state, Michigan state of course dropped from four to 18 in the AP poll after dropping to James Madison and overtime. Sparty has been uh, interesting. Tyson Walker has been huge for, for Sparty 24.5 points per game through the first two games. No one else is averaging higher than eight and a half points a game. Like Xavier Booker, their star freshman, only averaging three so far and 11 minutes per game. And they not only lost to James Madison, but they played Southern Indiana in their second game. Duke played Southern Indiana this season as well. Southern Indiana, they won that game by 23. And you might be like, well, why are you bringing this up? Sounds like a blowout. It's like, well, probably because it should have been more. And I hate being the guy to be like, well, you should have beat that school that's not that good by more points because that's a pretty sorry thing to say but it's like southern indiana is like real bad like real bad they lost to chicago state and so nothing impressive about michigan state to start this year start the year 
And what I'm about to say comes with a healthy dose of don't you ever overlook anybody, ever, especially not Tom Izzo's team. Don't look past them. They're scrappy. They will play with everybody. They're not going to, they don't want to get walked over. They won't get walked over very easily. Obviously, they want to prove that that James Madison game is not the defining moment of their season, that they can turn it around. They can beat a good team. And ultimately, one preseason top five team is coming out of Tuesday night one and two. And if you're Duke, you better make sure that it's not you. It shouldn't be them. Duke absolutely should beat Michigan State. In a matchup perspective, in a what we've seen so far from Michigan State perspective, there is no doubt in my mind, not a single doubt in my mind, that the Duke Blue Devils should beat Michigan State. Absolutely, they should beat Michigan State. But this is a pivotal game for Duke, just in a standpoint of how the season is going to develop. This win at the moment doesn't mean as much as it probably will in March because this Michigan State team is going to be a lot better in March. This win, if Duke takes it on Tuesday, will look a lot better in March than it does now because Michigan State ultimately, I don't even know if they're ranked anymore next week if they lose to Duke. But if you're Duke and you lose this game, oh, buddy, is it an uphill trek from there? And that's the biggest reason you didn't want to lose to Arizona because it was a home game. And yet you really didn't want to head into the Michigan State game with your back against the wall. Because now for Duke, it's like, you better win this game or you are really treading uphill the rest of the year. You've got to beat Baylor. You've got to beat, you've got to go into Arkansas and win or else you're fighting a battle heading into conference play where you're not the number two team in the country. If you lose to Michigan State, you could be fighting a battle of like, people are like, well, is Duke even... A, a ranked team, not only is Duke a ranked team, is Duke a tournament team? People will be asking that question if you lose to Michigan State and then can't beat Arkansas. If you're 8-3 and three heading in, people are going to be like, is Duke a tournament team? And then you're going to have to prove that in conference play, which means you have to win all important games. And you don't want your back against the wall like that. This game is pivotal for this team to win. And I, you hate hearing something like that in November. It wouldn't have been this way if they didn't lose to Arizona, but you cannot lose back-to-back. You cannot be one and two, and you cannot force yourself to win what is, in my opinion, your most difficult non-conference game with your first road game at Arkansas. So this game is a very important one for Duke. It is a game that is a must-win, in my opinion. It is a game that they should win as well. And I think that if you're Duke... Uh, the matchup is is pretty solid. You know, you've got a guard to worry about in Walker, but ultimately, Duke's guard play should be better. There's not a whole lot of offensive threat from Michigan State in the interior, which is good news if you're Duke. That's been a struggle. Rebounding, this is the game to prove, man. Michigan State's a good, a decent rebounding team, but this is the game to prove. This is the game to prove. Um, and the real thing here is pack the paint, man. Pack, look, look at, I, I urge you, I urge you to go look at Michigan State's stats. I really do. I really do. Because go look at those stats. Pack the paint. Prove you can defend the interior. I mean, you got to know that these stats are going di- are gonna to differ when they play Duke because, of course, they will. But just go down the three-point percentage, man. Tyson Walker, 14.3%. A.J. Hoggard, 24 Oh, wait, no, not A.J. Hoggard. Um, Trey Holman. Trey Holloman. 
Wow. Messing up a whole lot, guys. My bad. But 25% from three. They're the only two players that have hit a three on the whole roster. They're two games. 6.5% as a team on the season. <laughs> That's wow. They're bound to shoot better, but like if they shot like that against Duke, it should be like a 30 point game without a doubt. So if you're Duke, even with the expected improvement from three, prove you can guard the interior, prove you can be a good rebounding team, show improvement on the things that they were lacking against Arizona. And this should be a happy fan base late Tuesday night. That's, that's you know, the way I'm looking at it. I like Duke's odds here. We're going to have a very uncomfortable discussion on Thursday if Michigan State wins. I don't expect that to happen. I expect bigger games from some of the guys who maybe haven't had one yet. Tyrese Proctor, Mark Mitchell. Um, those guys should be having bigger games. And if Duke can get much of the same that they've been getting from Filipowski and Roach, they don't even have to get the exact same. They can get a little less. As long as the other guys are, are picking it up, Duke wants to see a more balanced effort because so far, there was a, especially against Arizona, there was a little bit too much heavy lifting from Kyle Filipowski. And, you know, some heroics at the end of the game from Jeremy Roach. You want to see some of the freshmen, some of the younger players getting their bearings and helping offensively put the ball in the basket a little more because Duke doesn't want to lean too heavily on Kyle Filipowski. His teams are subject to double and triple team him. It makes a life a lot more difficult if you're Duke. Anyway, so Arizona loss down. Don't sweat it too much as long as they win against Michigan State. Duke's got a good chance to pick up a top 25 win here on Tuesday and set themselves up for the rest of non-conference play into what will hopefully for them be gritty performances and potential wins to pick up two more top 25 wins against Arkansas and Baylor. It won't be easy games, but they're games that Duke can win. They don't want to come out with any more than two losses in those four games. Two's not ideal. One is ideal. Winning the last three would be uh, the dream scenario if you're Duke. But anyway, lots to talk about. I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about on Thursday following the Michigan State game, which I should actually be watching this time. Again, thank you guys so much. For tuning in, as always, listening, make sure you subscribe, follow the podcast, follow at Duke underscore wisdom on Instagram and Twitter. Go to DukeWisdom.org, check out some new articles. We've had two new writers, Sean and Caleb, put out articles recently. Go give those a read. Go check out the uh, 1,000 point uh, club kind of list that I put together. I, I put together a digital list of all 68 players in the Duke 1000 point club, you're ever interested to know where everybody ranks, go, go click that, go, go, go give it a look. I'm going to update it every game out and see where Jeremy Roach stands. I'll update it once Kyle passes, probably at the end of the year, injuries permitting. And so, you know, go check all that out. We're doing a whole lot of Duke wisdom, loving what we're doing. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you guys Thursday. <laughs>